Hello and uh, welcome to episode 14 of the uh, QB2 Streaming Experience Podcast. I am uh, Salvatore Stefanelli. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, 2QBFFB. As always, I'm joined from, uh, not from, I'm joined by, no wait, that's not right either. I'm joined with, is that how it goes? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think, well, there we go. We heard his voice. So I'm just going to throw it to him. This is uh, Jim Sonis. What's up, Sal? How's it going this week? Um, it's going good. I think um, the shock of seeing snow again has rattled my brain because it hasn't really snowed in Vancouver for like, I feel like three years now, or at least <laughs> like the snow is actually stuck around. Like that's just yeah. how much snow we saw yes, uh, two days ago. I'm not sure if you've seen the video floating around of like the Montreal, basically, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Benny Hill car crash scene. Like, yeah, that that was that was Vancouver two days ago. I watched it during the day, and then I went out of my way to watch it again at night, just because watching the second bus come down, you just realize how great that video is going to be. And the Washington Post actually just tweeted it out too, so this thing is uh, is pretty big, so you can find it pretty easily if you haven't seen it. Uh, just look for Montreal ice sliding, and uh, it, it was pretty good. I've seen stuff like that go down before, having grown up in Minnesota. I mean, like driving through winter storms coming up from Iowa, and uh, also. I was going to when I worked in West Virginia, you'd drive in the mountains and you'd be you'd see like uh, a snowplow in the ditch. And you're like, huh, this is probably a bad idea to be on these roads right now. But people need to know what this Division three college basketball team did tonight. So I got to get back to the station, stuff like that, you know, so uh, I it brought back some interesting memories. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, like, I, I grew up in this town. It's called Thunder Bay, which is basically the most northwestern part of Ontario. And uh, when I grew up, it was always hailed as one of the coldest cities in Canada. And my memory of the snow is, I think I was, like, like nine or ten years old. I go to the side door to open the door to go outside to shovel snow. And the snowbank that I built had gone above my head. Like, it was taller <laughs> than me. So I just shut the door, made some hot chocolate, and forgot about it. Absolutely. Yeah, Thunder Bay is basically right above Minnesota. Yeah. Like, they're, 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 they're the same thing. We had a, a day at school once when I was in college. Uh, my school was right off Lake Michigan. So, like, there were 60-mile-per-hour winds. And you could have surfed on it during a snowstorm because the winds were so high. So we just wore like biology goggles, went out there, you know, just did whatever college kids do in, you know, these blistering blizzards. It got like 24 inches. They actually canceled school the next day. It was a, it was a good time. So I'm, I'm actually ready for the snow. I'm ready for it to unleash. I just wish it would stay away from my football, Sal, because it, it ruins a lot of things when it shows up. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's seen that Montreal car crash video and stream quarterbacks last week, that's pretty much the exact same feeling. Yes, that's kind of – that was oof. Colin Kaepernick week 13 in one video. <laughs> I know. we. It's crazy because, like, last week we talked about how week 12 was just insane. There were 13 quarterbacks that scored 20 or more fantasy points. There were 25 quarterbacks that scored 15 or more fantasy points. Then we get to week 13, and we have six quarterbacks who scored 20 or more. And a whopping 13 who reached that 15 fantasy marker. Like, that was just how week 13 played out. And as we like to do on this podcast to th start things out, is we like to give a quick accountability recap of our picks. And as we kind of just alluded to, uh, it was not good Bob, as the uh, Mad Men meme nope. says. 
let's just start things off with probably the worst of well I guess I can't say it worse because Ryan Fitzpatrick actually scored less fantasy points than him but Colin Kaepernick was pretty much the streamer du jour last week we had no reason to bench him we did not see him getting benched for Blaine Gabbert and his possible outcomes but here we are a week later digesting Colin Kaepernick's four yard passing 20 yard rushing 2.16 fantasy point QB 30 performance from a week ago. Yeah, that was really bad. And the thing is, too, that I think made it a bit more frustrating was that Cap got pulled after 10 total dropbacks. Uh, he had 10 dropbacks if, you know, four of them were incomplete passes and five were sacks. But obviously, some of the blame for a sack does go on the quarterback, but not all of it does. Uh, so I guess I, I don't know. I guess it's so hard to assess all the blame to cap in that one. I mean, it's not as if Matt Barkley tore it up. He did have a pretty decent yardage total on just a few attempts, but it's not as if the bears were trusting him to chuck it up. So I don't know. I don't know what to think of that one cap for the season has still been way more efficient as a passer than playing Gabbert. So I think that when you see the conditions with the heavy snow uh, that was going on all throughout the day, given that this is a California team and Cap grew up in, in Reno or played his college ball in Reno, at least, I don't, I'm not putting a ton of, of weight into it, I guess. Um, I think that Caps is still still a guy we can trust, even though that was pretty much as bad as it can get. And like you said, now his getting benched for Blaine Gabbert is within the range of outcomes. <laughs> yeah, I guess we saw it, so it can't happen. Right. Uh, I know Chip Kelly mentioned that Cap is starting this week, so at least we can go into that game with the confidence that Kaepernick is starting it. I know I was watching the um, NFL Network version of the Red Zone, and uh, is it Scott Hansen? Is that his name, the host? Yeah, I believe yep. so. They kept going back and forth to that Bears-Niners game because no quarterback had completed a pass at all going through the first quarter so it's almost like one of those running clock downs where it's like right who's yeah. going to complete a pass first and like even when a quarterback did complete a pass it was like negated by penalty or called back because of a penalty so it was kind of a funny thing to watch so like i said like you said i don't think we can really put all the blame on kaepernick for that performance it was just one of those games where really no quarterback it was doing well. It was a game that just showed that, that Mother Nature drafts her quarterbacks early. She's a, she's an Aaron Rodgers owner, and she just was not going to put up with it that day. Yeah, it was not fun to play in, probably, and not fun to watch Ew. either. Oh, it'd probably be pretty fun to play in. I don't know. I, I, liked, I liked snow games, but uh, yeah, I don't, not watching it uh, may not have been that great if you were invested in cap like I was. I used him over Phillip Rivers this week, so <laughs> that's, that's where I was at. And we'd also mention Matt Barkley. He was one of our rapid-fire recommendations. He ended the week as QB24 with 7.98 fantasy points. Also not good, but um, he outscored Drew Brees. hey Wow. bum 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 I mean, I think you can be kind of upset if you stream Colin Kaepernick last week and he put up only 2.16 fantasy points. But you have to remember, you got him basically for free. Nothing off the waiver wire. But then Drew Brees was the top five fantasy quarterback in uh, ADP this offseason, and he was in a pretty sweet matchup and only scored seven points. So, I mean, if I had started both of those guys, I'd probably be more upset from the Breeze result than the Kaepernick result myself. Oh, absolutely, especially considering the hype around Breeze heading into that game, given what he had done to the Rams. And 
I, we've talked about Detroit before being a defense we can target. And I think that at times they still can be, um, but they're a lot better than they were earlier in the year, given all the guys that were out before who are now back. Um, but I don't think that people have quite caught on to that yet. So, and I hadn't full either, um, but just having everything combined like that all at once was just such a slap in the face. Yeah, no, that Detroit defense definitely tightened things up. We um, didn't talk about it last week because you can't really stream Drew Brees. It's not a streaming option. But this is a defense, the Detroit defense, for through the first seven weeks of the season, had allowed um, five, was it five? Let me count it up. One, two, three, four, five uh, top ten fantasy finishes to the quarterback position. But from week eight on, the best the quarterback has finished against them is QB 14. And in the other four games, it's been QB 21 or worse. So it's, uh, it's something to monitor if you're considering streaming against Detroit defense is that they've kind of tightened things up on their side of things there. Yeah, absolutely. And especially this week, too, when you have Matt Barkley going up against them. It's a game that's indoors. He'll have to throw a lot, I would assume, given the spread in that game. So, the you know, process-wise, he would at least have volume. But you do have to have questions about the, the efficiency of that volume, especially when it is a guy with the question marks of Matt Barkley. Yes, yeah, so you got to bring that into the equation. All right, moving on to our other recommendations. We had... Um... Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith in rapid fire. Uh, Taylor was QB 17. Alex Smith was QB 19. They both scored under 13 fantasy points. And we also had Ryan Fitzpatrick as one of our top streamers. He was one of the few quarterbacks that scored less than Colin Kaepernick. 1.54 <laughs> fantasy points was the QB 32 and Brent. Brunched, brunched, benched, benched <laughs> for uh, Bryce Petty. So it looks like. Benching uh, starting quarterbacks is something we have to uh, consider in our range of outcomes going forward. Yeah, I mean, like, the Jets decided to use, go with their better quarterback finally, so maybe we should have considered that before, you know? They've decided to free the superior asset on the team, I guess. I was um, following the timeline of Damian Woody during that Monday Night Football yeah, game. I'm not sure if, if you're doing that, but he pretty much has it out for this Jets regime. <laughs> like, he holds no punches. He just lets it loose and calls out everybody in every play. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, Ray Lucas got involved in the back and forth. I'm not sure how many people out there wow. remember quarterback That's Ray Lucas yeah, of the Miami Dolphins and of the New York Jets. But Ray Lucas was one of my favorite quarterbacks when I was growing up. It was just nice to see his name out about again. I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize that one happened. I missed that. I was. I do follow Damian Woody pretty religiously. I loved him when he was a player, especially just with the Jets, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realize that he got in a beef. That's cool. No, it wasn't a beef. Ray Lucas was just adding on to oh, the okay. piling on of the Jets. <laughs> It was just interesting to just see his name again because I hadn't yeah. thought about Ray Lucas in such a long time. Well, all right, so um, those are all of our bad calls. We did have a couple of uh, good calls last week. One of our top streamers was Matthew Stafford going up against Saints. He scored uh, just a shade under 24 fantasy points and was the QB4. And our uh, clipboard holder of the week was Cam Newton against the Seattle Seahawks. He scored just under 12.5 fantasy points and was the QB20. And Cam got benched too. So uh, I guess it, it all came full circle. I mean, 
technically he got benched uh, for one play, um, but in that wasn't due to performance. But I think that we should talk chalk that up in the win column. If we're going to take the L's on Kaepernick and, and Fitzpatrick, I think we get credit for benching Cam Newton too. I mean, Let's like, do it. So th- this is a two-quarterback fantasy football podcast, so we always do need to know about backup quarterbacks. So it's something we'll have to keep in mind going forward is who is the backup and who has the highest chance of getting benched in-game this week. And Derek Anderson only had negative two points, so it's not as if it was a disaster, at least. No, not at all. Oh, Ron Rivera, what were you doing? <laughs> all right, so... Just hand it off to Jonathan Stewart, man. Gosh. All right, so that uh, puts a bow on our Week 13 recap, so we'll move on to our Week 14 fantasy football quarterback to streamers of the week. And before we get into that... How the heck are we already in week 14 of fantasy playoffs? You are asking the wrong person because I have no idea uh, how we got to this point. Um, it's like it you can I can remember like preparing for like week four and stuff like that. Now we're in week 14 and it just goes by so quickly. And obviously week 17 isn't a big week for season long league. So there's only three weeks left and hopefully you get all three of those like you're you're playing the whole time. But it's just kind of sad right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on the bright side, if you are listening to this podcast, it means you most likely made the playoffs. So congratulations. Pat yourself on the back and let's get to it. Our uh, first uh, recommendation of week 14 is famous Jameis Winston going up against the New Orleans Saints. This game is in Tampa Bay. Current wind projections, uh, eight miles power. So nothing we have to worry about, at least at this point in time. Over under is 51, which I believe is the highest on the week. Can you back me up on that, Jim? Yes, it is. And it's also the highest implied team total this week. I got to say, that that did shock me. Uh, the implied team total is 26.75 for the Bucks, making them two and a half home favorites. I have to say, though, that did shock me. I did not expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to have the highest implied team total this week. Yeah, I mean, overall, the implied team totals are kind of low across the board this week. Usually you'll see one that will push 30, but there's really nothing close, which could make things pretty interesting uh, both for for DFS and season-long this week. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the wind was only 8 miles per hour. When I looked uh, up this game yesterday, it was at 4, so it's kind of doubled. Might be something to keep an eye on, but I really don't expect this game to be something to worry about weather-wise, but we do have other games we're going to have to worry about Ooh. in terms of weather. Yeah, uh, you're kind of triggering some bad things there by talking <laughs> about, about wind, because there are a lot of really bad games on this slate when it comes to weather. It's, it might even make not only Jameis Winston the top streamer of the week, but it might even make him the top quarterback play on the week if the weather is fine and the implied team total stays as high, but that is a discussion for a different podcast. Maybe the uh, Fantasy Heat Check podcast. We'll yeah, get into it. <laughs> we'll talk about. We're talking about Jameis for sure this week. It's the Number Fire podcast. He is he is already on the agenda. I'll put it that way. All righty. So there you go. Something else to look forward to this week, folks. We'll kick this off here. New Orleans is currently allowing the um, eighth most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position at a rate of eighteen point one per game. They have allowed uh, 16 or more fantasy points to nine quarterbacks they've played this year, and uh, six quarterbacks have scored 19 or more. And when it comes to um, touchdowns, they've allowed two more in eight of 12 games, which is something Winston has done seven times this year. And he has also scored 15 or more fantasy points in eight straight games, which is a nice streak that should continue this week. And overall, he's done that in 10 of his 12 games. 
Yeah, and the thing about Winston too is I I think I've talked about this before on the podcast is I've been really hesitant to buy in because he's had so many struggles with inefficiencies and when he's gotten a negative game script he's been he's had really bad games but he's been really good since their bye week in their first five games which was leading up to their bye he had negative two point two five passing net expected points which is number fires efficiency metric and if you're if you're in the negatives that's the Blake Bortles Brock Osweiler zone you don't really want to be there and that's where he was at their bye week but in seven games since he's at 85.12 which is kind of grotesque for a guy of his experience uh, that's kind of akin to what Marcus Mariota has done but uh, Winston's you know his run hasn't quite gone as noticed because it hasn't followed with as many fantasy points but his efficiency recently has been really good it's a great matchup, too. The Saints are 27th against the pass based on number fires schedule adjusted metrics. And the Bucks are ninth on the offensive side, which is not something I would have expected coming into the year. But this really is one of those matchups where it's a good passing offense against a bad pass defense. And it's also a situation that we, we talk about at times where it's a funnel defense for the Saints. They, they weren't this early in the year, but ever since they got their defensive tack tackle uh, Sheldon Rankins off of injured reserve. He was their first round pick this year. They've allowed just 80 yards per game on the ground compared to 263 per game through the year. So essentially what this means is that teams aren't able to run the ball as well against New Orleans as they did in the past. And Doug Martin has had some pretty significant struggles this year to begin with. So what this says is even if Tampa Bay does get a lead. It may force Jameis to keep on throwing just because they may not be able to run the ball super well. So I like Jameis a lot. I think that he has both the floor and the upside we're looking for. And the way that he has performed recently gives me a lot of confidence in rolling him out this week. Yeah, it's been um, kind of a turnaround, too, in the early goings. We were worried when he had that 4-INT game. But if you look at the splits since then, he threw – uh, eight INTs in his first four games, but he's only thrown four in his past eight games. And this is a Saints defense that just does not <laughs> intercept passes at all. They have seven picks on the year in total from six quarterbacks, so it's something we don't have to worry about too much. Uh, they do allow a lot of yards through the air. They've had uh, six games in which a quarterback has thrown for 300 more yards against them, and Winston has three such 300-yard games on the year two of which have come in his last four games. Uh, I think this is a game where game flow could go either way. I think the Bucks could get open to a big lead with Winston and Evans throwing through the year. And how I mentioned it's a final defense because of the Sheldon Rankins factor that's come on lately. Or the Saints could go out to a big lead, which would force the Bucks to pass, pass, pass. Uh, either way, with that high implied team total, high over under, Saints uh, pass defense quotation marks, it's... Uh, <laughs> shaping up to be a Jameis Winston week. Yeah, it really is. And I think that, uh, like I said, if, if it weren't for how efficient he had been recently, I might have more hesitations here. But once you add in just how good he has been, and it makes sense, given that he's he has a guy like Mike Evans, who is so good, it makes sense that he would do better. That offense is getting healthier. They had some offensive line issues uh, middle part of the year. They've got Doug Martin back. They're getting Charles Sims back this week, which could help in the passing game, too. So all around, I think that this is really just kind of a rock-solid play. Yeah, and the efficiency has really helped him overall season long. I know heading into the season, a lot of fantasy analysts, myself included, were talking about his regression in the rushing column because he had six rushing touchdowns last year, and we don't really consider him to be a rushing quarterback, And which has proven true this year. He only has one, uh, one rushing touchdown on 
but at the same time, he still is the fantasy QB 11 on the year. And uh, it's been nice to see his progression from year one to year two. Yeah, absolutely. I think I totally agree with that. And not even just year one to year two, but even within this season, um, just seeing what he has done recently. And we saw him have a nice floor last year from a fantasy perspective, but seeing the efficiency kind of follow suit is really reassuring. All right, so moving on from Jameis Winston to Alex Smith. Uh, This game is the Thursday night football game of the week. It is the Kansas City Chiefs at home facing the Oakland Raiders with an over-under of 46, uh, which is a point less than it was yesterday. The Chiefs' current implied team total is 24.5, which has gone down half a point. And uh, the Chiefs still are a three-point home favorite in this one with win projection currently at 10 miles per hour, so that's going to be something we're going to have to monitor. But it was 11 yesterday, so it's at least going in the, the right direction for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when we look at this, this what Vegas is saying here, we do get nervous about Alex Smith in positive game script because it could be a game where Andy Reid just turns to the run. But, you know, based on Oakland's offense, I'm not sure that they'll necessarily be able to just pull away in this one. Oakland's offense has been really good, uh, especially Derek Carr. He's been clipping along well. Latavius Murray is running the ball well. So I would bet that Oakland will be able to move the football on Kansas City, which will force them to keep on throwing it at times. Maybe not, you know, trailing, uh, but at least they're not going to have a big lead in this one, big enough where they can just grind the clock. And that's going to be good against this Raiders defense. They are 22nd against the past this year they've been getting better uh, and they've had some injuries in the secondary so that will certainly help them but they also haven't really faced a lot of quality competition recently the last four quarterbacks they have faced are guys who have struggled with efficiency this year that's Trevor Simeon Brock Osweiler Cam Newton and Tyrod Taylor and yeah Cam Newton is definitely in there his efficiency this year really hasn't been very good and same goes for Tyrod mostly because of the the health of his surrounding unit, but still he is in that group too. But if you look at that four-game sample, they still allow both Simeon and Newton to throw for multiple touchdowns, and three of those guys had at least 240 yards through the air. Uh, Smith, last last time they faced Oakland, was efficient, but if you remember, that was that monsoon game where he only threw it 22 times. Um, so it, the efficiency was there. He was 19 of 22, only three incompletions, but just no touchdowns in that game. We do worry about a guy facing a division team for the second time, but it's a less worrisome thing when that quarterback isn't dependent on efficiency, and Alex Smith is not. Uh, So I really don't have a ton of reservations here. He's not like a top-tier guy this week by any means, but I think that when you're looking at Alex Smith, you always want floor, and I do think that is in play here this week. Yeah, we've talked a lot about on this podcast where we – try to reach that 15 fantasy point marker from our quarterback too. And on the year, Oakland has allowed eight quarterbacks to score 15 or more fantasy points, which is something Alex Smith has done five times this year. And in their last uh, six games, four quarterbacks have reached that 15 point marker against the Raiders. The other two quarterbacks were Brock Osweiler, who is only one point away and Tyrod Taylor, who's only two points away. Um, one point and two points in fantasy football isn't a whole lot. So they were pretty much close to allowing six quarterbacks in a row to score 15 fantasy points against them. You mentioned how that last Alex Smith game didn't really result in a lot of fantasy points, but it was a very efficient performance, which is something we could see this week. I don't, 
see a monsoon on the weather report. <laughs> we so, would probably know in Kansas City if there were going to be a monsoon. This, this is true. I mean, all, all of all of Twitter would tell us right <laughs> if, if that was happening. Kansas City, um, Oakland has allowed uh, two straight rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks and Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor. I know Alex Smith hasn't done a whole lot of running this year, but he did have ten yards and a rushing touchdown just three weeks ago against Tampa Bay. So at least we know he still has the capability of doing it. So it's something to keep in mind for it to happen. Um, One thing that I'm kind of worried about this game is we mentioned Detroit earlier in the podcast, how their defense had tightened things up from the first half to the second half. That's kind of the story, too, here with the Oakland Raiders defense. In the first five weeks of the season, they had allowed four quarterbacks to finish no worse than QB7. And they allowed the top two... uh, QB2 performance, so basically QB2, QB2 in the first two weeks of the season. But from week six on, they have not allowed one single top 12 finish to the quarterback position with the best mark being uh, QB13 back in week 12. And if I recall correctly, that was Cam Newton, uh, who was pretty close but just didn't quite make it. So it's uh, something to keep in mind if you are like deciding between, um, say, like a Jameis Winston and an Alex Smith. Uh, like <clears throat> everything is pointing more towards Jameis Winston to be the starter in that particular situation. So it kind of all really depends on who your options are this week. Like I'm still okay starting Alex Smith. Like we were recommending him right now. The Raiders have allowed uh, almost 18 fantasy points per game to the quarterback position. So it's not a bad matchup. But I don't think it's a matchup as great as it once was earlier in the season. Yeah, and even that Cam game you were discussing was talking it included a rushing touchdown. Yeah. So even that that one game where they you know weren't that good did involve a little bit of a boost there. So that is interesting to watch uh, for sure. And I think a lot of that goes to Khalil Mack uh, with how well he has been playing recently. And I think that that's definitely been a big boon for their defense. And it is something to consider for sure. Uh, and I think that I agree with your assessment that it may not bump us totally off of Alex Smith, but it definitely does hurt him overall. Uh, we try not to say too many bad things about Alex Smith on this podcast. <laughs> we'll just move right along to our next quarterback, who is Dandy Andy Dalton of the Cincinnati Bengals, who just had themselves a uh, good old time whooping those Ooh. Philadelphia Eagles this week. Oh, boy. So this week we have the Cincinnati Bengals on the road at the uh, Cleveland Browns. Quick side note, uh, Robert Griffin III might be back for this one, so that's going to be fun to see. Yeah. Uh, this game currently sports a 43.5 over under. The Bengals have an implied team total of 24.75, making them a 6-point road favorite in a game that has a 12 mile per hour wind projection so this uh, is starting off our descent into the uh, potential (laughs) bad weather games yeah it's not just the 12 mile per hour winds either there's also snow um so it is we're recording this you know obviously we always record pretty early in the week so you'll want to check back on the weather but this one it could be kind of akin to that Chicago game last week. So you're going to want to check on the weather uh, as we get closer to Sunday. But if things were to clear up a bit, it would be really, really solid for Andy Dalton here. Like you said, six-point favorites uh, with an implied team total of 24.75, which is kind of in that zone to look for for a streamer. This is the best possible matchup 
uh, for a, a quarterback to face. The Browns right now are 32nd against the pass based on number fire schedule adjusted metrics. We always talk about their inefficiencies, inefficiencies against the rush, but it is against the pass at the same time as well. And Dalton, I know that we talk about him being a decreased efficiency guy without AG Green, but it really seemed like he was in a good zone last week. 332 yards on 31 attempts, two touchdowns against the Eagles, who are one of the better defenses in the league, even though they were they don't play as well on the road, uh, which they were last week. It's still a solid unit. And Dalton looked really good. He seemed comfortable with, with LaFell, uh, with Tyler Eifert, even though he only had two targets. But overall, this is a good offense last week. Looking at the Browns, uh, they've allowed each of their past three quarterbacks that they've faced that hasn't been facing a 25-mile-per-hour win, so excluding that Ben Roethlisberger game, they've all thrown for at least three touchdowns. That's Dak Prescott, Joe Flacco, and Eli Manning. And I don't think that... I mean, Joe Flacco had his great week last week, but it's not as if he's on par with Dalton, I wouldn't say, even with Dalton being without A.J. Green. So in total, seven quarterbacks this year have thrown for three touchdowns against the Browns, and we usually look for two just because that's a solid floor. So three, just kind of icing on the cake. Dalton had 308 yards and two touchdowns on just 28 attempts against the uh, against the Browns last time out. If you remember, that was the game where he had the, the Hail Mary to A.J. Green. It kind of helped uh, boost things up, but even even without that, he was having a solid day. Uh, the one thing, though, again, is weather. So please check back on that. If it were to clear up, this would be a rock-solid play. If the wind speeds stay that high with the snow, then I get really nervous in a hurry. Yeah, you mentioned wind being a big factor because this Cleveland defense is one we have been targeting all season right. long. And the only quarterback to face Cleveland who finished worse than QB20 was Ben Roethlisberger, who was QB25 <laughs> in that game that did have weather concerns. So if, you know, if that game had been decent weather-wise, this could have been a defense that had allowed a top-20 quarterback finish to everybody so but on the year the average quarterback finished against the Cleveland Browns as being QB 12 they're currently allowing the second most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position at a rate of 19.8 fantasy points per game they have allowed seven top 12 fantasy quarterback finishes on the year 10 of 12 quarterbacks face Cleveland have scored 18 or more 11 of 12 have scored 14 or more the one exception being Ben Roethlisberger that one week uh, 6 of 12 have scored 20 or more fantasy points. You talked about the touchdowns, how no, they've allowed 3 in 7 games, and they've allowed 3 in their past 4 games. Uh, Dalton has 6, 19 or more fantasy point games on the season, and 4, 20 or more. So he has shown that he can reach that 20 point mark, and we've seen that Cleveland can allow that 20 point mark kind of easily this year. And that last game, I know he mentioned the A.J. Greenhill Mary, but no, Dalton scored 20.32 fantasy points, was the QB7 that week. I really don't see him having a worse game than that uh, unless the weather has an effect. Yeah, and I think the the benefit here, too, for them is that they're on the road. Last time they were at home, which is a spot where you expect a team to have a bigger lead. So it's possible the Browns can you know stick in this one better than they were able to do last time, which would force hopefully more than 28 attempts for, for Dalton. Playing at home hasn't been a thing that's really benefited the Browns this year. We saw Dak kind of tear them apart there. Um, so it's not as if they have huge ro- home road splits either. So it could actually be to his benefit this game is on the road in, the, in this situation. 
And I know, like, the last time we talked about Andy Dalton, we were concerned about the loss of A.J. Green and Gio Bernard, which, you know, not, not to take anything away from them. Those still are pretty big losses, but Dalton seems to be fine and grew with Brandon LaFell, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Eifert is back. You know, Jeremy Hill is catching passes now, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, three straight games where he has caught uh, – Two or more passes. He had that one game, six targets, six catches, 61 yards. Can't really expect that every week from Jeremy Hill, but it's nice that uh, Bernard still has that check down, or not Bernard, that Dalton still has that check down option in the offense, which is always nice for a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, Rex Burkhead has looked decent, so that doesn't hurt either. All right, and um, one thing for this game, I know I've uh, talked about it sometimes, but it's uh, Sean Facchetti's cave metric, which is basically um, points allowed versus expectation. And to the quarterback position, he updates it every week, and the Cleveland Browns currently have the second worst uh, points allowed above expectations. They're allowing quarterbacks to score 17% more fantasy points than expected. So that's another boost for Andy Dalton in this one. All right, uh, we'll move on to our clipboard holder of the week, as we are sometimes like to do on this podcast. Uh, this week, we had kind of a, a debate off air as, as to who should be the uh, clipboard holder this week. Kind of like how last week we weren't completely sold on uh, who should hold this clipboard. Mm-hmm. So this week, we're giving it to Marcus Mariota against the Denver Broncos, which is always a defense you want to be afraid of when you're starting your fantasy football quarterback. Uh, this game currently has a 435 over under, the Tennessee Titans have an implied team total of 22.25. They are one-point home favorites, which, again, this does surprise me because I thought the Denver Broncos defense would be enough to make them the favorites in this game. But then Denver is on the road. We don't really know who their quarterback is. Uh, we don't really know what's going to happen with their running back situation. So I guess I could technically see why Vegas made the Titans favorites, but I think it's a little bit of a trap for this one. And the uh, win projections currently at 11 miles per hour. Yeah, and I think that this is a pretty scary situation. I know that looking at Vegas, this is a spot where you would say, okay, this really isn't a bad a bad spot for Mariota with that that implied total at uh, at twenty two point two five. That's not terrible. Like I would totally accept that, given how good Marcus Mariota is and how valuable his legs have been. But this matchup is really scary. Denver is easily number five's top ranked pass defense this year, and nobody else is is really close to them either. Um, you know. I think that if Simeon can't go here, that would be a boost for Mariota just from a field position perspective. But even without um, Simeon last week, if we look at Blake Bortles, he threw for 181 yards on 42 attempts and had negative (laughs) 23.59 passing net expected points. If he hadn't thrown a pass the entire day, the Jaguars may have scored 23 more points. That's what that's saying. That's not good. (laughs) So... Even if they don't have, even if they have a quarterback who can put them in bad spots like Paxton Lynch did last week, their defense can still be good enough to make up for that. And that's kind of what scares me for Mariota. And we look at Mariota this year, he has been really good. But the issue with Mariota is that he has been really good on low volume. He's been relying on efficiency. And, you know, that's fine. We want efficiency from our quarterbacks. But efficiency isn't something you expect from a guy facing Denver. You expect 
higher volume, but really, really bad efficiency. And we haven't really seen Mariota thrive in that situation yet so far this year. Most of his games where he has done well, it has been because he has been stupidly efficient because he's a good player. But I don't think you can really expect that in this game. Um, So he is a very talented player. And there aren't a lot of quarterbacks in the league that can, can defeat Denver right now. He may be in that list, but I would definitely be leaning towards no right now until we can see him thrive in, in situations where he is kind of deprived a bit of that efficiency. Yeah, no, just looking at his game logs here, six of his 12 games, he's attempted less than 30 passes. Uh, lowest output was 22 against Jacksonville, so scored 19, almost 20 fantasy points, 23 attempts last week against Chicago. But I can't really see a quarterback attempting like 20 to 22 passes and <laughs> scoring 20 fantasy points against the Denver Broncos. So that's one thing to worry about with Marcus Mayer. I know he's been on fire as of late. He has eight straight top 12 fantasy finishes. He scored 20 more fantasy points in four straight games, 19 or more in five straight games. Uh, he's been one of the best fantasy quarterbacks as of late. But it is Denver Broncos defense, which always gives you pause when you're thinking about streaming your quarterback against them. They've only allowed two top 12 fantasy finishes this season to uh, Cam Newton and Drew Brees. Nine quarterbacks they've faced have finished as a QB 20 or worse. The average quarterback finish against Denver is QB 22. They're currently allowing the fewest fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks at a rate of 12.5 per game. Uh, seven of 11 quarterbacks to face Denver have thrown under 200 yards. Um, only two quarterbacks have uh, multiple touchdowns, Phillip Rivers. And my notes here say trees, which I'm going to assume is Drew Brees was autocorrected on that one. Uh, five quarterbacks have thrown zero touchdowns against Denver this year. Uh, just adding it all up, it does not make me feel confident in wanting to start Marcus Mariota against these uh, Denver Bronco defensive players. Uh, and I mentioned Sean Fichetti's, uh paved metric earlier for a positive matchup with Cleveland Browns. The Denver Broncos are ranked last in Sean's metric as of uh, week 13. They are allowing 31% less fantasy points than expected to the quarterback position this week. Uh, they're the only defense that is um, has a percentage over 30. The next best defense is the Minnesota Vikings at 23%. Ooh, that's, yeah. uh, that's a big number. <laughs> yeah. Man. And the thing about, you mentioned that both Breeze and Newton were top 12 finishers against them. That was Cam Newton in week one where he had a rushing touchdown. And Breeze was at home in, in the Superdome. And we know that, you know, outside of last week, he's immortal there. <laughs> and Mariota does have the ability to bust off a long touchdown run. But those are kind of extreme situations where you have this physical freak in Cam Newton who can, you know, bust one off anytime with his legs. And then Drew Brees at home, where, again, he's almost immortal unless he's playing the, the, the Lions, apparently. So you don't want to bank on those situations occurring, especially for a guy who is is very good, but still hasn't quite fully proven himself against defenses of this specific caliber. Right. I know Denver has been, I guess you can say, bad against the running back position. And they have allowed five quarterbacks to run for 19 or more yards this year. And they have allowed three rushing yards to the quarterback position. So, I mean, they're 
is some hope for Mariota in that regards, but I'm still, if I have better options, like say for instance, no Jameis Winston is our top streamer. I'm far and away starting him over Marcus Mariota this week, but it's going to be kind of tough to find a situation where I'm going to want to start Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I'm not really going out of my way to do so either. <laughs> I think it's just, it's kind of, it's really scary. I mean, how, just a quick tangent here, but how, uh, if you have kids around, earmuffs, how shitty is it that you had Marcus Mariota, basically like one of the top quarterbacks for eight weeks in a row, has a bye in week 13, who kind of screwed over a lot of uh, Scott Fishbowl players that made uh. the playoffs, who had to deal with Cleveland and Tennessee buys. And now it's the first week of the fantasy playoffs, Marcus Mariota comes back to the Denver Broncos defense. Yeah, I'm feeling that one. I'm in a, a one quarterback league where it seems like everyone has three quarterbacks on their <laughs> roster. So my decisions last week were Alex Smith or Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I last minute decided to go with Alex, thankfully, just because I, I liked my receivers enough where I thought I could shoot for floor. Uh, so it ended up being OK, but I'm feeling that one right now. Not really sure what I'm going to do for this week because um, I'm not starting Mariota. I can tell you that right now. But yeah, it's a. Uh, Schedule makers just giving us a double barrel middle fingers on that one. Yeah, I mean, why is there a buy in week 13? I just don't understand. I have no idea. All right. Well, that's that tangent. Uh, for anybody who's never heard me swear before, I'm sorry. I'll try not to do it again, but I don't promise because I am an adult who sometimes uses adult language. How dare you, Sal? <laughs> Speak like an adult. I mean, for anybody that listened to the um, – 2QB experience podcast. I sometimes make an appearance on that one. And I had quoted the infamous snakes on a plane scene. Oh, yeah. Sure Wait, I, the, the uh, monkey fighting snakes? Yes, but I use yes. the original language <laughs> on that one. So everybody who feels like going back in time and checking that out, you're more than welcome to. It's still up there on the pod, being in the <laughs> iTunes. All right. So our next uh, segment is the rapid fire segment, which is where we like to um, you know, ramble on about a few quarterbacks we like but don't love this week. Uh, our first subject is a quarterback we love in general, uh, our good friend Tyrod Taylor. This game is uh, at home for Buffalo. They're facing the Pittsburgh Steelers. It has an over-under currently of 47. Uh, the Bills have an implied team total of 22.5, making them two-point home underdogs. The wind uh, projection is currently at 10 miles per hour, but looking at the precipitation section on the numberfire.com daily fantasy liner helpers. Uh, it looks like snow is in the works for this game. Yeah. And it looks like it's not something that's going to come and go, but something that's going to increase. Because if you look at the nice graphics that Numberfire provides us, 1 o'clock, 39% chance of snow. 2 o'clock, 56% chance of snow. 3 o'clock, 62% chance of snow. And at 4 o'clock, 65% chance of snow. So this looks like a game that's probably going to have to deal with the snow all game long. Yeah, I'm hoping to avoid that because if that goes away, this game could be really, really fun. It's a game script where we really want Tyrod. That's where he is 
in a spot where he can be semi-efficient and he'll have to throw a bit more. And with Pittsburgh favored by two uh, in Buffalo, I think that's kind of how this thing sets up. Um, And he gets Sammy Watkins back. Watkins played 68% of the snaps in week 13. So he gets his best offensive weapon back. He may be getting Robert Woods back. Maybe Charles Clay. Uh, Mike Gillisley was back last week. LaShawn McCoy was cooking. This offense is outside of their center, Eric Wood being out. They might be the healthiest they've been the entire year if they can get those guys back. And they're facing a defense that ranks 19th against the pass this year in Pittsburgh. And they haven't had a lot of tough tests on the road so far this year. If we're talking about Pittsburgh, obviously Kirk Cousins has been really good recently, but he had kind of that flop against him in week one. Outside of that, it's been Carson Wentz. Ryan Tannehill, Joe Flacco, Josh McCown slash Cody Kessler, and then Scott Tolzien. So there hasn't really been a big road test for this Pittsburgh Steelers defense this year. And I think that Tyrod is a guy, if he has all those weapons, who could kind of provide that. The one thing that you do worry about here with Pittsburgh is that they haven't allowed more than 13 rushing yards to a quarterback this season. The caveat there is they've only faced... Uh, the only they've only faced two really mobile guys. Those are Alex Smith and Dak Prescott. But both those guys were held in check by Pittsburgh. I'm not sure how much weight you I'd put into that because I think it's more dependent on Tyrod, who has been running the ball a decent amount recently. So, you know, I think that the Bills want to run the football, but this could be a situation where they don't really have the option to do so. If Pittsburgh can build a lead, even though they're not quite as good on the road as they are at home. Um, so it for me, it's kind of the optimal game script for Tyron. I think that this could be, again, if the weather lightens up, a really good spot for him. Yeah, no, we just have to, we have to worry about the weather. We have to worry about Buffalo Bills beat writers calling for Tyra Taylor's job. Oof. I'm not. Did you That's see that one game? I, so you did see that same story I did yeah. too. I mean, chill. He's <laughs> guess, facing Khalil Mack, he has, man. He has no Don't chill. I guess. I mean, I guess he was the one that allowed 38 points on the board. I'm not so sure. If, no. Yeah, Tyra. I mean, he, when he was playing safety, sure, you know, a little criticism there. Maybe they should bench Tyrod at safety and stop playing him two ways. <laughs> uh, but I, I just don't understand that at all. Yeah, I mean, I guess if we have to worry about quarterbacks that could get benched in our game uh, possible outcomes – Start EJ Manuel and Cardell Jones this oh, week. Man. I mean, uh, it's not really uh, a future I'm looking forward to, at least not right now. Uh, you mentioned Cardell Jones, and this brings me back to that awful <laughs> time last year where Ohio State was starting him over JT Barrett, and I wanted to rip my eyeballs out. So just violent flashbacks to that. We need to ban that guy from the podcast forever, even when he starts. I don't think I can do it ever again. <laughs> All right, so this has officially become the anti Cardell Jones right. experience. Oh, we'll oh. never mention him. Even in the most optimal of game script scenarios. <laughs> when he becomes the next Tom Brady, he will never cross my lips. And speaking of Tom Brady, he was the quarterback that ran for 13 yards against this yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers defense. <laughs> of course. Which, yeah, of course. That That's a funny one. But no, for this, like, I'm still worried about this game because of the snow. Because yeah. of what could potentially happen with the flurries in this one. But at the same time, I'm not a whole lot worried because of the type of quarterback Tyrod Taylor is. And he's just been having himself a grand old time on the ground this year. He has five rushing touchdowns in his last six games. 
Uh, only four games on the year has he rushed for under 30 yards. Since week six, he has rushed no fewer than 30 yards, and that includes a 68-yard game against San Francisco. And we know how much we like our quarterbacks to run and get points on the ground. Uh, he scored 15 or more fantasy points nine times this year, and this Pittsburgh defense has allowed seven quarterbacks to score 15 or more fantasy points against them, and that includes the likes of Carson Wentz, um, not to disparage him, but Alex Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, no, Tom Brady's Tom Brady, but Joe Flacco had one of his few good games this year against them. Uh, if you combine Josh McCown and Cody Kessler, they didn't reach 15, but they get they get 12, and that's not too bad when you're talking about Josh McCown. I know Cody Kessler is your boy. I'll try not to talk too much ill will towards him. That's fine now. Whatever. I've I've gotten over it, I guess. No, Scott Tolson had to come into Thanksgiving, like the Thanksgiving night game, uh, not too prepared. Still threw for 200 yards and touchdowns. Scored only 10 fantasy points, but almost 11. That was because he had two INTs that game. So I don't think it's the toughest of matchups. I think Pittsburgh is, I mean, it says right here they've allowed the seventh fewest fantasy points to the quarterback position, but when you look at the talent level of quarterbacks they have faced, it doesn't really surprise me a whole lot. Uh, but when you look at quarterbacks that have had good games, you know, you have Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, like talent rises to the top against this defense. And I, I would like to put Tyrod Taylor in that level even though I know there's not a whole lot of people that are sold on Tyler Rod Taylor at the moment, but from a fantasy football perspective, he is the QB 12 on the season. Yeah. And I think the good thing is too, like we say it's, it's unsustainable because of these rushing touchdowns, but that's kind of what you get with Tyrod. <laughs> it is unsustainable. Like a hundred percent is, but you are getting a rushing floor from him. Even if he's not going to score, he's going to get you three or so points from his rushing. So yeah, in a sense, it is very much unsustainable, and we shouldn't expect him to get those six points every game, but he is going to have a rushing floor, and when you do that, there is always the possibility that he stumbles into the end zone once. Yeah, I mean, in two games less than last year, he has 99 rushing yards less, but he has two more rushing touchdowns. Yeah, so it is It is a, sense, a situation where you do expect him to come back to earth, but... If he's getting his offensive pieces back, that may be kind of wiped out by increased passing efficiency. I mean, as long as he's getting fantasy points, we can't complain too much. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to a quarterback we do like to disparage on this podcast and on Twitter and pretty much whenever his name <laughs> comes up. That's uh, our not-so-good friend, Brock Oswald. I don't oh. think he'd want to consider us his friend if he you know, knew the things that we said about him. He's had a rough year, man. He really, really had, I'm not sure if you read the article on The Ringer when they went uh, basically quote by quote about him talking about this offense being a few plays away from having an offensive explosion. Ooh, that sounds I bad. I believe they called the article The Brockening. Uh, <laughs> if anybody out there likes to read fun articles, I recommend this one. Check it out on TheRinger.com. We are not sponsored by The Ringer or by Miller Lite, or by HBO. So we have <laughs> no ties whatsoever. It's just a fun article I read this morning. But uh, getting back to this game, uh, it's the Houston Texans. They are on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, it does have an 18-mile-per-hour wind projection currently, a high chance of 73% rain at 4 p.m., but one side note is that this game is played in a stadium with a retractable roof. And hopefully they decide to uh, use that roof this week. But uh, 
<laughs> this game uh, currently has a 47 over under, which is half a point higher than it was yesterday afternoon. The Texans sport a 20.5 implied team total, which is half a point less than it was yesterday. So we know where that half point went. They're six point um, road underdogs against this Colts defense. Uh, the Colts do have an implied team total of 26.5 for anybody out there wondering. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I was going to say Brock Osweiler finally did it. He finally had himself a top 12 <laughs> fantasy quarterback finish last week. Just before we even get into the analysis of this week, I just want to give him a slow clap for that one. Bravo, Hopefully man. You can hear that. We, like I said, we've kind of badmouthed him all year long. He was the only quarterback to start every single game this year without a single top 12 fantasy quarterback. Uh, finish. We had like the likes of Kevin Hogan, who was a top twelve quarterback, and he didn't even start <laughs> the game where he had that feat. So it's nice to see Brock finally reach the the mountaintop here. Hopefully, yeah. it's not a, a quick slide down. Yeah, and I think that the situation here is actually a lot better than the one he had last week when he when he did finally finish in the top twelve. Uh, the Colts are thirtieth against the pass this year, according to Number Fires metrics. Last week he was facing the Packers. Uh, they aren't good, but they have been better than the Colts have this year overall. He had two hundred thirteen yards, two touchdowns in that game. And the thing about that one is the matchup this week is better, but so are the conditions. He goes from playing in the snow at Lambeau to playing indoors, ideally, at Lucas Oil Stadium. I'm hoping they would uh, be closing the uh, the roof for that one because the weather looks atrocious there, too. <laughs> Houston's implied team total, it's not bad, even though, like you mentioned, it did go down. It's still not bad, especially when you consider that this is still a, a Brock Osweiler team. So 20.5 implied team total. That's not terrible. Um, so it's something we can work with for sure. And the good thing here is that we're looking at a situation where the Houston Texans are trending up from a health perspective and the Colts are going down. For the for the Texans, he's finally got Will Fuller back. He played uh, 78.6 or 78.8% of the snaps last week against Green Bay. That was his highest marks since back in week seven. So a good little uh, uptick there for Will Fuller, who even though he does have his his shortcomings, he is a, a talented guy who can stretch the field and open things up for C.J. Fedorowicz, for DeAndre Hopkins, and guys like that. So it is a big addition to the offense. And also, uh, we saw the Colts today lost their linebacker to Quell Jackson to a suspension. So Houston getting pieces back, Indy is losing pieces. I think all that combines to make this an attractive spot for Osweiler, who threw for 269 yards and two touchdowns against the Colts earlier this year. So I think that overall, you obviously don't want to go out of your way to start Brock Osweiler, but I think that in this situation, you could definitely do a whole lot worse. Yeah, I mean, uh, just looking at the Vegas projections where the Colts currently are implied team total of 26.5 and Houston at 20.5. Looking at their previous outing this season, the Colts scored 26 points and the Texans scored 23 points. So they reached those markers back then. And you mentioned how Brock had one of his few good games against the Colts this year. He had no... 269 passing yards, which was a season high. Um, he had two passing touchdowns. He hasn't thrown more than two in any game this year. And he had 16.36 fantasy points, which was his third best outing. Uh, I didn't expect him to score 18 
fantasy points and finished as a QB7 last week against Green Bay. And he's in a much better spot this week. As you've mentioned a couple times now, you know, the Colts are allowing the third most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks, 19.6. They've allowed seven top 12 finishes on the year. The average quarterback finish allowed by Indianapolis is QB12. They've given up two or more touchdowns in nine of 12 games. They've allowed 16 or more fantasy points in nine of 12 games. They've allowed 20 more fantasy points in seven games this year. I mean, it's all kind of looking to be one of Brock Osweiler's chances to have another top 12 finish this week if everything goes according to plan. Yeah, and I think that he he can bust because he's not very good. Um, but at the same time, this is looking to be, and this is still, again, early in the week, but this looks like it's going to be a pretty ugly weather week. And when that happens, I do kind of go out of my way to to look for guys who are playing in positive conditions. And I would assume that's what Osweiler will have in Indy. So I think that it does line up well here. If you need someone, let's say your quarterback is in a game with some really atrocious weather, he is a guy who could step in. And even though he's Brock Osweiler, he could still give you a decent performance. And if we take out week 13, where they went up against Bryce Petty and Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I'm sure a lot of people would like to forget about, (laughs) the Colts had allowed 16 or more fantasy points in eight straight games. That includes the likes of Blake Bortles, Brian Hoyer, the aforementioned Brock Osweiler, the combination of Nick Foles and Alex Smith. So it's not like uh, India has just been lit up by elite quarterbacks. They've been lit up by just like, decent okay kind of good quarterbacks uh i'm not quite sure where i would put brock oswald on that spectrum (laughs) but he did have a good game against them uh if you go back a few podcasts ago in this series i had my bad quarterback in a good matchup tangent i guess it was more than a tangent it was a a screed that was a long (laughs) A long rant, I think. So if you want to go back and listen to that, uh, I would recommend it just to remind yourself that two quarterback fantasy football leagues, sometimes you are forced to start a bad quarterback in a good matchup, whether you like it or not. Trust the system, trust the process, and just hope that the results come through. Yeah, just sometimes just close your eyes and click and see what happens after that. (laughs) All right, so that's enough Brock Oswald talk, I think. How how do you (laughs) feel about that, Jim? I'm satisfied. All right, so we'll move on to our next quarterback, which I think another one you're going to want to say process over results. It's Colin Kaepernick going up against the New York Jets. We talked about his uh, the Blaine Gabbert benching last week. Try to forget about that and move on. Chip Kelly has. He's named him the starter this week. So hopefully we don't have to worry about Gabbert. Or... Is Christian Ponder, is he, is he even active? or is he? I have he, no idea. Been, I... I think I think so. Yeah, he may he may be. They probably should have an active at this point. But uh yeah, I don't even know. It's it's just been too bad. It's so gross. Hopefully we don't have to worry about that. All right. Yeah, so. and the thing I agree here though. The like you were talking about process over results with Colin Kaepernick last week. Outside of the weather, it really did line up well. And the, having that one bad game, even though it does enter into the realm of possibilities that he could wind up getting benched for Blaine Gabbard, it doesn't erase the five decent fantasy games, even really good fantasy games that Kaepernick had leading up to that. And the Jets are really bad, um, <laughs> as we saw against Andrew Luck. And 
it can kind of re-elevate Kaepernick back into a really solid realm. Uh, the Jets are 29th against the pass after Andrew Luck kind of ripped them to shreds last night. And again, Kaepernick, five good games or okay games at least and one bad, which came in awful weather. Now he is at home. It looks like the weather should be good. If we look at this matchup, I mean, this Jets team, not only did they get just destroyed by Andrew Lucka on Monday, but also Josh McCown, who has been awful this year. He has been probably one of the worst starters in the league. He threw for 341 yards and two touchdowns against the Jets. So if Josh McCown can do that, I have confidence that Colin Kaepernick can be okay as a passer in this one. The the kind of worry here, I guess, is that the Jets haven't allowed a ton of rushing yards to mobile quarterbacks this year. They uh, allowed 25 to Tyrod Taylor. Alex Smith had negative three. <laughs> Russell Wilson, this was kind of when he was dinged up. He had negative five. And Andrew Luck had 26. So overall, it's not a team we want to necessarily give a boost to rushing quarterbacks against. But I don't think they're necessarily prohibitive either. Yeah, I think we have to start off with the caveat that just forget about last week. It happened. Yep. It's over. You don't have to worry about it. Well, I guess hopefully we don't have to worry about it happening again. But I don't think it negates his start to the season. No. no. Before week 13, he was averaging 62 rushing yards per game. He still ran for 20 last week. You know, he scored no fewer than 14 fantasy points in any of his previous six starts. He had a 10-3 to passing touchdown to interception ratio, was a top-12 fantasy quarterback in four straight games, was the overall fantasy QB one just two weeks ago. I this has been a great season if you've been streaming Colin Kaepernick. So just try not to let one bad performance sway your decision this week because, you know, it's, this is pretty much all the marbles. You win, you go on, you lose, you're done for the year. So if you're going to let one bad game influence your decision-making, I'm not quite so sure fantasy football is the game for you. Yeah, I mean, I think that you just look at the way that this matchup lines up and it's a situation where if it were any other quarterback and he had done anything else the week before, you're going to use him. So I think you kind of have to here. Uh, I didn't get to mention it earlier, but um, this is a game that's trending in the right direction for us. Yesterday I had an over-under 44. It's now 44.5. The Niners had an implied team total yesterday of 22.5. Now they're up to 23.5, putting them at two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the New York Jets in a game. Also, where the wind projection is currently four miles per hour. Yesterday it was at six, so it's almost like the... You know, if there was a higher bean out there telling us to start uh, Colin Kaepernick in this one. The yeah. Jets, yeah, it's, uh, no, if you believe in signs, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe it means Bryce Petty optimism abounds. Well, I'm looking at the, like, number fire DFS lineup helper page where I get these, um, no Vegas projections, over-unders, implied team total, point spreads, all this great information. It's always on the link on the podcast that I post on 2QB's but if you're uh, wanting to go there right now as you listen to it, it's numberfire.com slash NFL slash daily dash fantasy slash games. And Bryce Petty is currently projected for 12.6 fantasy points. But Colin Kaepernick is projected for 
a meaty 18.95 fantasy points. And um, whoever does the projections over there at number fire has Blaine Gabbert for 1.1 fantasy point. So I'm going to take that 1.1, add it to Colin Kaepernick, and that puts him over the 20-point fantasy projection mark, which is something you only tend to really see for elite quarterbacks, at least in my experience when looking at the uh, number fire projections. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's let hey Russell Wilson and and Aaron Rodgers are both at around 20 this week. So, why not cap? Why not cap? Let's see. Reasons why cap. The Jets are allowing <laughs> uh, almost 18 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. The average quarterback finish against the Jets this season has been QB 15. They've allowed seven quarterbacks to score 18 or more fantasy points. They have allowed two or more touchdowns in six games, something they have done in their last two games. They're allowing 274.3 passing yards per game, which is 12th most in the league. I know we don't tend to associate Colin Kaepernick as a high-passing yardage guy, but he has a game this year where he threw for almost 400 yards and another game where he threw for almost 300 yards, so it is in his realm of possibilities. I know you mentioned not too many quarterbacks have done a whole lot on the ground against them, but Tyra Taylor and Andrew Luck, when you average that out, two and a half points on the ground. I think uh, <clears throat> Colin Kaepernick projects more towards that than he does any of the other quarterbacks this season. And it's something that Colin Kaepernick has done in every game this year so far. He has not run for less than 20 yards. And we saw what the ceiling is with that 113-yard rushing game back in Week 12. So like I said, if you can forget what happened last week, trust the process, I think you'll be pleased with the results this week. Yeah, he did get outrushed by Matt Ryan last week. And Matt <laughs> Ryan, not really the athletic type. Uh, but again, we're flushing it. It's gone. Uh, week 13 no longer exists, and we will just focus on a really good matchup for a mobile quarterback at home. Um, and I will go ahead and use cap again this week. All right, so our last rapid-fire recommendation is Joe Flacco. He's someone we've talked a bit about on this podcast uh, this season. Uh, I don't think – I can definitely say for myself, I did not expect Oof. Joe Flacco to score 29 fantasy points and finish the week as the QB2 in week 13, but that is exactly what he did. And this week, he gets what – in my opinion, is a, a better matchup. The New England Patriots have been sort of like a sneaky defense to target. I, I guess I'm not quite sure how sneaky they are anymore because I pretty much mention it every chance I get on this podcast. But um, no, Sean Facchetti's pave metric agrees with me. The uh, Patriots are tied with the Falcons for allowing the most fantasy points above expectation to the quarterback position at 18%. So that means the uh, quarterbacks to face New England are scoring 18% more than they're expected to, which, I mean, I'm not going to sneeze at that number. Uh, this game is against Patriots. Uh, maybe it's something I should have said before, but it uh, currently has a 45 over-under. One thing I'm a little bit worried about is the Ravens only have a 19-point implied team total and are 7-point road underdogs and this is where jim shines at currently 15 mile per hour wind projection so there is a lot to not love in this game why are there winds why are there winds everywhere i hate this week already it's only tuesday i can't hate this week already but i do ah 
Anyway, um, let's go to the reasons to like yes. Joe Flacco. You covered a couple because I'm I need to get out of this negativity <laughs> zone. Let's let's think positively here. Um, it's a spot where they'll likely have to play from behind, which could increase the volume here for Flacco. But there are other things working in his favor here that uh, that go beyond just the matchup. In looking at the Ravens themselves, uh, this comes from Pat Thorman of Pro Football Focus. He tweeted this week that the Ravens have been running a lot more no huddle recently. He said that they ranked third no huddle rate the past two weeks, and Flacco's passer rating is 114.9 in no huddle compared to 73.9 out of it. So it could be a situation where the Ravens have recognized that Flacco does better in no huddle and are, are shifting more towards that. So kudos to Pat for kind of identifying that. And if it's something that the Ravens have done as well, maybe this could be a shift in them. And not only does it get higher efficiency, like like mentioned in there, that he does perform better in no huddle, but that gives him a higher floor because it will allow the Ravens to run more plays. So that's that's a lot to like there. The Patriots are 17th against the pass this year, so even if Flacco does get a negative game script, it's not as if it's going to be prohibitive to his uh, scoring fantasy points. And they haven't really faced a lot of really good passers recently. The last three they've faced are Colin Kaepernick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Jared Goff, but two of those guys still were able to throw for two touchdowns against them. That was uh, two for Cap and two for Fitz. So again, even against bad quarterbacks, and Flacco for the most part has been that this year, they have allowed decent decent marks and I think that we should kind of expect that for Flacco again this week um, expectations for him will be higher based on what happened last week but I think that this isn't a situation where we're really points chasing it's a situation where he should have okay efficiency there are going to be a lot of plays and it's they're going to be a lot of volume too so I like Flacco as long as the wind goes down Again, it's a situation where I don't love him. Like, I don't see him being in the same realm as Andy Dalton would be if there were no weather concerns there. But I do think that he is a decently solid choice for this week. And it's an offense that seems to be getting healthier on the year in terms of no weapons that Joe Flacco has at his disposal. We saw Dennis Pitta touchdown regression hit in a big way with those multiple touchdowns this week. Steve Smith is there, Mike Wallace, Bashar Perriman, Kamar Aiken. Uh, they're getting the running backs involved too, so I'm wondering if that's also part of the no-huddle quicker pace for this offense because the last two weeks, Terrence West and Kenneth Dixon have both combined for seven uh, receptions per game, uh, four on the Dixon side, three on the West side. <laughs> That just made me laugh on the west side. uh, (laughs) uh, Unintentional, but good. We're having fun on this podcast. Yes. And then uh, we saw Terrence West get that one uh, receiving touchdown last week. So I feel like Joe Flacco's getting in a little bit of a groove lately. Uh, On the season, he hasn't been the greatest fantasy quarterback. He has scored um, 20 fantasy points uh, three times. He's reached... 15, uh, five times. So it's been kind of an up and down year. If you uh, spent a lot of time with Joe Flacco all year long, hoping he would turn around. I know a lot of people kind of gave up on him and I'm pretty sure he was on more benches than he was in starting lineups last week, which is probably 
tilted a lot of people. But no, this is another game that sets up nicely for New England's allowing 17.3 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. The average quarterback finish against New England is QB 14. They've allowed 16 or more fantasy points nine times this year. Every quarterback but Brock Osweiler scored at least one touchdown against New England. Uh, prior to Jared Goff last week, they had allowed three straight multi-touchdown games. And we saw the ceiling Flacco has with his 29 fantasy point performance last week. I'm not going to go out on a limb and project Joe Flacco to score 30 fantasy points against the New England Patriots. Especially not in a game that has this high of a projected win speed. But I, I do like him as a you know above average quarterback two streaming option. Yeah, I think that's the realistic expectation to set as a quarterback two guy who you can just kind of plug in there and uh, expect an okay floor <laughs> as long as that win goes down. It seems like every week we have an every quarterback except Brock Osweiler stat. <laughs> so when you hear that, just kind of assume it's every quarterback at yeah. this point. It, he's, he's the exception to a lot of rules this year. Hey, it's, it's Brock Osweiler or Ryan Tannehill. And yeah, <laughs> I think probably Jared Goff will join that fray too. Once yeah, he has more have... starts under his belt. Yeah, poor Jared Goff, man. I was so upset last week watching that game because, like, he had a pass go off of Lance Kendrick's hands right into a Patriot defender's arms. He had one where he hit Kenny Britt in the chest and he dropped it. We would have been, like, a long first down. He had another one that hit Kenny Britt in the hands. Like, he, was, he wasn't good. But dude got no help. It's just so hard to evaluate anything in that in that stupidly bad offense. It's hard to evaluate anything when Jeff Fisher is your head coach. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how do you go from giving him a contract extension, then having reports after the game saying, well, hold on, he might still get fired? Like, yeah. Why even we give just... him the extension in the first place? For funsies? I don't know. I have no idea. So I guess maybe they just wanted to see more of JJ's gift collection. <laughs> they want to they wanna add more fuel to the fire. All right, so that does it for this week's podcast. I'll do a quick recap here. Our top streamers of the week, Jameis Winston, who I think it's safe to say is pretty much our our top streamer, top quarterback option. Then we uh, bring it down to Alex Smith and Andy Dalton. Rapid fire section, we recommended Brock Osweiler, Colin Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, and Joe Flacco. Our clipboard holder of the week is Marcus Mariota against the Denver Broncos defense. Hopefully week 14 um, brings us back to week 12 in terms of fantasy quarterback scoring. And we don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about Colin Kaepernick getting benched. Luckily, Ryan Fitzpatrick already has been benched, so we don't have to worry about that one. But no, other than that, um, I want to just wish everybody luck this week. It's week 14, fantasy playoff time. You win, you get to go on to week 15. Uh, Everybody that's listened to us so far, if you are still listening to us and didn't make the playoffs, we appreciate your uh, listenership and hopefully... No, maybe this helps you out in other fancy football formats, such as, you know, those games they call daily fancy sports. <laughs> don't have to worry about playoffs there. But, Jim, um, why don't you let the audience know where they can find you and your work, and then I'll close things off. Yeah, you can find uh, my jubilation about <laughs> about Bryce Petty's four-touchdown day on Sunday at, at Jim Sonnes on Twitter, J-I-M-S-A-N-N-E-S, and then all of my work is up at numberfire.com. If Bryce Petty throws for four touchdowns this week, we can just end the podcast <laughs> and just like take the rest of the year off because I don't know we'd be able to do better than that. 
It's not if, Sal. It's when. <laughs> I'm going to at you the moment it happens. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. Didn't we have a bet last week of Ooh, uh, we? qu- quarterbacks? We expect we put we picked one over the other. Oh, man. We may have. No, if oh, we had. Uh, no, I don't remember, actually. We may have. I don't know. <laughs> I believe we – it was a quick uh, – My memory something. is not this good. It was during the podcast. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it was. I'm old. I don't know. I, I'm washed at this point. I have no idea. I'm old too. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll just we'll pre- figure it out. We'll pretend that we both won the bet. Yeah, sure. And just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at two QB FFB. Uh, like I said, if Bryce Petty scores four touchdowns, we're going to all at Jim and congratulate <laughs> him. If you feel like reading my work or the work of the website that presents this podcast, that's two QBs dot com T W O. QBS. Um, other than that, everybody, good luck this week and happy quarterback streaming.